Word of God, which is at work in you to be here. This is a key verse that should be underlined in your Bible. Not only for this letter, but in your Bible. Because it states that the writings of Paul, including this letter, and I would say all of the New Testament writings and letters that we have, are included as being the word of God. That's why it's part of our modern-day Bible. It's important, that's important because there are many new ways saved as just the Old Testament is the Word of God. But none of the letters of the New Testament is. They may challenge different letters in the New Testament for various reasons. But Paul says that the New Testament is to also be accepted as the Word of God, and that he was encouraged to see that the Word of God was having such an effect on the lives of the Thessalonians. Not only had they accepted it as the word of God, but they were reading it, they were studying it, and they were growing from it and benefiting from it. It was having an effect on their lives. In chapter 4, Paul reminds them of what he taught them concerning moral religion, which is, again, of great importance and necessity not only to them in that society, but for us today. In our culture, that also glorifies and encourages satisfying our sexual appetites without any rules or limits. Look at the movie stands, look at the TV shows, look at the internet things that pop up. It encourages everyone to do whatever you want. There's no limits. Whatever you feel feels right to you, go ahead and do. Specifically, Paul says that they were to abstain from sexual immorality, which obviously means it was a concern to them. This is something happening to them. In verses 2 through 8 of chapter 4, Paul wrote, For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ, or the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God which my um, study Bible that I use stated for that, the will of God, is all of God's word contains God's will. So we're including what it says, for this is the will of God. His word contains the will of God, both in affirmation and in prohibition. Things that you shouldn't be doing Continues your sanctification, which in this case is being set apart from sexual impurity, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, and no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger. In all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but for holiness. Amen, holiness. 
Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not men, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So just as the Christians in Thessalonica live in a society that glorifies and encourages sensual behavior, we're surrounded by the same attitude. And it's a destructive behavior and contrary how we are called to live as Christians. To live in holiness. And in this letter ends with encouragement and admonishment that we have the Holy Spirit to help us live this life in the manner that we're supposed to live. And that if we don't, that we're disregarding God's boss, not Brad, not some other man who's telling you how you should live. You're denying God's standard. He placed that demand on your life. So again, good information in this letter. Worthy of the time. The second letter that Paul wrote to Thessalonica may have been in response to details that had been shared with him by the courier of the first letter. The letter was written, gave him someone to get it there, maybe sent a group of people like he did occasionally to deliver the message, delivered the letter, visited for a while, checked on things, and came back and he quoted Paul from their first-hand observations. Paul wrote to address some of the false teachings that had been being taught, especially again concerning the coming day of the Lord, the future events that will be taking place when Jesus Christ returns. There was a lot of false teachings, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of, of errors being taught on, on, on what had originally been discussed by Paul, and he was correcting those. The letter addresses matters of theology concerning death and judgment and the final destiny of the soul of mankind. The study of that particular part of theology is called eschatology, which is probably a trade up term you say. And that's what it focuses on, verses in the Bible concerning those issues. Some of the key verses in this particular letter are in chapter 1 and verses 8 and 9. where it says, in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. By this scripture states that the consequences of sin is that God will judge the lost to suffer punishment of eternal destruction. And that person will be separated out of the presence of the Lord. Which as bad as the first part sounds, I would think that's the worst of separation. And the worst of hell is that you are separated from God in his presence. So anything that his presence currently 
keeps from taking place could take place on top of all the other things that they all can take place. What a beautiful statement he makes. Verse 9 here is probably one of the clearest verses on eschatology that you will find. contrary to 
is what you have learned about the truth and challenge you where it happens. Because a lot of people probably tend to not do because they figure, well, if it's up there in the front and he's teaching this, then what's all he talking about? So I'm not going to challenge it. That's not always the right thing to do. It's wrong, it's wrong. It also means that we need to be as Christians diligent in our own study of the scriptures. If you don't know what scripture says, you won't know it's wrong when that person in the pulpit says it's wrong. So we need to know our scripture too to be diligent. In first Timothy, I want to share a few passages of scripture. Chapter 3, verse 14 through 16 which is what I have been taught is the key to the letter of First Timothy. It says, I hope to come to you soon, Paul talking to Timothy, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Listen to what the church is. Church of the living God and a pillar and buttress of truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. According to Jesus. Paul reminds Timothy of the heart. Central to the 
the Christians continue to give the gospel. And the church's proclamation of the gospel. When we train and learn and practice godliness, we will respond by caring and loving our brothers and sisters. And we have a stronger witness to the loss of the world around us. Nothing worse for the people outside these doors in our community to see than discord and hatred and things going on in a church that sometimes they, they continue in their own organization. Destructive for the witness of the, of the church. But godliness is absolutely necessary because if you practice it and learn it, will be living with it. It will be coming out naturally. Christ-centered godliness in believers is absolutely necessary for the sake of the gospel. And primarily what I mean by that is for it to have effect on people that We will, we will not be successful. We will not be productive as a Christian or as an evangelist, which we're all called to be, to the lost world without godliness. I think that several events over the last year that we've gone through here in this country and throughout the world in many cases have been squandered opportunities for the Christian church, especially in the Western world. I'm not um, speaking about how you may have voted or who you voted for or the reason to do it. I'm not speaking on if you decided to be vaccinated or not or do you agree with mandates or not. We as the Christian church, we as believers, should have been exhibiting Christ-centered godliness to the world around us. Because our attitude, the time we come across, you can vote however you think God is leading you to vote or however you come to your conclusions. But how you relate to your brothers and sisters and how you relate to the people around us in the lost world will have a huge effect on if they hear your message and if they hear the message of the gospel. If you're insistent on having your way in whatever it is that you are trying to get, but then turn around and try to witness to somebody and, 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 and do it in a loving way, they will see that, that you're not uh, acting the same or acting in the same, you know, you're contrary to what uh, is going on. You're living two lives, which is very easy for Christians to do. Have one life that maybe you live at home in the church and another life you live when you're out in the world. It should be the same. It should be the same. Christ-centered godliness. 
there's mission in other parts of the world where you take an airplane. And Timothy was called to endure in with suffering and was giving encouragement in chapter 2 where Paul was said, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he will we remain faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Christians who endure the hardships and oppression and suffering that will surely come in life at some time. Give evidence of the authenticity of their faith. How they respond, how they live through that, that suffering and persecution will speak volumes about their faith. It always amazes me when we see people who just uh, have a lady that we were talking to on a trip that we made that has been dealing with uh, a physical illness, majority of her adult life wheelchair down going ahead of church. Get her everywhere she goes. Get her dressed and get her up and out of bed. And she almost never brought up about the difficulties she was dealing with in her life. She was instead breaking the word about it. And oh my God, turn to that. And the blessings that she had. That type of person how they are sharing speaks volumes about endurance, enduring suffering. Timothy was charged to rightly handle the word of God and to remain an honorable worker in his ministry, to be ready for every good work, to avoid ignorant controversy and to correct opponents with gentleness. The, the, that's, that's the words of the Bible <laughs> using that. Ignorant controversy. How many times do we fall into ignorant controversy and just hang on to it and to correct people with gentleness? All good advice, again, for church leaders today, but just as important for church members. All of us have a responsibility to God to pursue godly living that we could be used for God's work. And this includes not getting involved in fully ignorant controversies that have absolutely no eternal value. The end of chapter 3 tells us how to be equipped to do good work. Starting with verse 14, it says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete with whatever good work. 
Parents, have you ever wondered if your children gain any benefit from you exampling Christ in your life? Of being an active participant in a local church? Of taking the time to read and teach the Bible to them and pray with them or for them? You ever wonder if it's important for your child to regularly attend a Bible teaching church or a Bible study? Be in a Bible club? Have Christian friends? Paul told Timothy that it, it was. But Timothy learned about his faith and about scripture from his mother and grandmother and from Paul's he became acquainted with scripture early in life and made him able to understand his need for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It helped to attract him to Jesus Christ. And then we have the very revealing verses of the verses of scripture that are told came from God. His word is from God. That it was literally breathed out by God. God is so identified with his word that when scripture speaks, God speaks. One source I used for today's message said it this way, scripture provides the comprehensive and complete body of divine truth necessary life and godliness. So if we want to know how to live Christ-centered godliness or how to live this life, we need to know what's in here. Because it's the word of God. It's beneficial for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now the results of reading and studying and struggling over scripture in a Christian's life is that a man of God, speaking of pastors and elders, but also speaking about the regular individuals, every Christian, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. You'll be able to face all the demands of godly ministry and righteous living. Titus was written by Paul to a young pastor named Titus who was on the island of Crete out there Mediterranean Sea. Crete was having a lot of problems with, guess what? False teachers. The church there dealt with a couple different problems. Legalism was intentional. Both of these are 
great imagery for you to help your kids. A commentary that I use summarizes the difference is this. Licentiousness is reckless, godless, rule-free living, while legalism is dutiful, great, godly. The first takes advantage of the grace of God, and the latter seeks to earn it. Paul shows that both have the same root, hope in the flesh for personal A licentious person feeds on the lust of the flesh while the legalist feeds on pride in the flesh. Both paths result in spiritual fatigue and strife and sin and even eventually lead to hatred for God and people turning away from the faith in church. Paul reminds Titus that the gospel is based on hope in God's grace and not on human accomplishments. And the answer to both of these problems that the church was having is the gospel. Because a proper understanding of the gospel will produce a joyful, generous, holy living. If you understand the gospel properly, you'll live in a different way. In the last letter to Philemon, just 25 short verses. There's a personal letter from Paul to Philemon, who was a wealthy member of the church in Colossae, another important city in that region at the time. Paul had the occasion to meet a slave who was named Onesimus, who had run away from Philemon, who was that wealthy Christian and probably stole from him when he left. He went to Rome and tried to kind of blend in with the large slave and free society that was there in Rome. But he had the occasion to meet Paul. He apparently was saved and discipled through Paul's ministry while he was there. And then Paul told Onesimus that to do the right thing, he needed to return to his former master and seek his forgiveness. But that was what a Christian needs to do. So Paul wrote to Philemon this letter to urge him to accept Onesimus back for his forgiveness. He called on Philemon to receive him as a dear brother, which would indicate to us that he believed both of them were Christians, that they were brothers in Christ, even though one was the master and one was the slave, even though one had the right under the laws at the time to punish or penalize the one who fled from him. This letter is addressing a master-slave relationship, which was common in the Roman Empire at the time, and send a runaway slave back to his master and encourage them both to treat each other with Christ's love and forgiveness and grace. Is it 
assume that this situation is included in the way that we act because we're not so The theological theme here throughout this letter, though, is forgiveness. Forgiveness. So this concludes a brief survey that I was hoping to do. Sorry, it's only a couple minutes longer. I think we'll probably, if it's okay, maybe not do the worship song, and then we'll just close at the end after communion today. Get that in there. But I do hope that maybe I've enticed you by this brief summary of these books to go back and read these very next verses. And they do have great thoughts and benefit for us today. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. We're going to go ahead and uh, have you just walk up. We have two options here. You can continue using the free packaged cup if you would like for communion, or you can take one of these sets out of the communion trays. There's a bottom cup that has the bread, and a top cup that has the juice. Come on up, take that, pass it to Jared, and you can hold it. We'll have communion together in just a moment. So maybe go ahead and start over here, and we're going to come up and take communion. Go ahead and do that. able to share communion at a church we visited that week uh, on a trip and it was uh, it was it was different it was a little bit uh, in the way that they, they went about it but there was very much a common effect of believers coming together and communing together and communing with our Lord and observing uh, communion together and even though there were some differences of how they did it, there were still so much similarities in knowing that their brothers and sisters and even from other parts of the country would be able to celebrate together as brothers and sisters. So the Lord does command us to do that, to observe communion. We do it weekly. Uh, very commonly used, 1 Corinthians 11, the passage from there to teach on uh, what Jesus told Paul and how he relays it to the church today on observing communion. Uh, share that with us. And it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed with bread, when he had 